life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. That's right. The new music indicates year four of the podcast. Yeah, Can you believe crazy? this? It, it's kind of nuts. And, and as we've gone to two a week, I find that I'm even used to the music. And so it's kind of jarring even to As me. are a lot of people. Exactly. And, and a lot of guys have kids who sing along to the theme song. That'll be interesting for Shane, especially, so, whose son is conditioned to yeah. the original open. He's going to look at his dad like, what the heck is going on? But no, here's, here's the thing that we try to do, just to delineate the year changes. We have just had... The end of year three of the podcast. We started at end of Unreal. July. Where did it oh go? Oh my gosh. 2014. It got recorded That's and what archived. Yep. There it is. There it is. Amazing. So there's the new intro. You'll be hearing that for the entire next calendar year. So since we're doing two a week, that'll be 100 podcasts or so. Yeah. Wow. And now we're on podcast one, new logo. Tons of stuff is happening over here. Well, you had a big day. A huge That's day, true. as a matter of fact. That's true. Everyone, the FRS is gone. It yes. got sold to a very happy buyer, Adam. Mm-hmm. Tell us the story. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, By the time you're listening to this Friday, it's happened. We, we recorded this a little bit early, so it happened a couple days before you heard this. But you probably saw on Instagram or Twitter we were we were sharing the fact that it was getting sold. So it sold on Wednesday. Okay, right. But the whole the whole thing has been quite interesting because I've had this car listed for almost two months. It's been a while now, yeah. And have gotten almost no response. And then I posted that YouTube piece a little a little over a week ago. That was the best and worst of the car. And, of course, it mentions near the end, hey, I have to be selling this. It wasn't what the piece was about, but it's mentioned. And I kind of expected that would kickstart a few people, and it did. Mm-hmm. I got uh, three or four people that wrote in from Auto Trader as a result. But the weirder one is two guys locally here in Utah. We have a thing that is like Craigslist, but, but believe it or not, the Salt Lake, Utah area doesn't really use Craigslist as much as they use another site called KSL. Right. This is a so new it's, site. It's our equivalent, and it is the classifieds that everybody uses, right. much more so than Craigslist. Right. So two local guys found the FRS on KSL and wrote to me, and I thought they happened to be local guys, but they'd seen the videos as well. No. So this past th- the weekend prior, I ended up having test drives with two different guys that had found the car on KSL first and didn't even know it from the show. But this guy, Adam, that bought it is an interesting story. So hello, Adam, if you're listening. Hope you're loving the car. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but uh, well, yeah, we just I, I actually did a little video of him driving it away and everything, which was my wife made the comment. Watching him drive that car away is a perfect example of the word bittersweet. Yeah. I mean, you had your son in it. I mean, you went through the whole thing. Tell us about that. I took him for a drive the day before. And then into the owner. I took him for a drive the day before. I just pulled him and just said, buddy, let's go for a last drive in the FRS. So we talked about the car. We talked about what I might get. He Mm -hmm. asked a bunch of Mm -hmm. questions. It was was actually a really cool moment. I'm not an overly just kind of schmaltzy guy, but it was really, as a a dad, it was a very cool moment. It was cool of you to do this. So we we drove the car together. He drove the car a little bit. Yes, he did. And uh, and we just had fun. We just went to (laughs) a a total back road middle of nowhere and enjoyed the car. You're on the great. forest. I absolutely. Mean, absolutely. He sat in my lap yeah. and it was, it was fun. So that's cool. hopefully that's a good memory for him. So then the next day I sold it to this guy, Adam, he's in the military and what's crazy. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's yeah. What, what's crazy about the story is that he was specifically looking for an FRS. Right. Right. He found a couple on KSL locally that it was down to my car and another one. The other car had less mileage. But my car was including winter tires, which was a big deal to Adam because he thought, I'm wondering if I can drive this car in the snow. And he looked up FRS in the snow videos, had watched our videos ding, ding, ding. on the FRS in the What's snow. What's there, FRS in the snow? Didn't put together it was the exact same car until I emailed him back and he saw the Everyday Driver email address come by and that it was from Todd and the, like the synapses clicked. That's so great. And all of a sudden he realized, this is the exact winter car I've been watching that's and a, it's for that's sale. Awesome. So he's he was very excited, and Adam, I'm thrilled that you're you're glad about it. He was coming out of an old, like a really old, just base Lancer. So this this is, is a serious step up. It's a it's a lot of things. It's yeah. rear wheel drive. Yeah. It's sports car. It's fun. He loves the sound. I mean, he's very very happy. So Adam's great blessings to you with the car. I hope it's awesome for you. And it was. It was genuinely bittersweet to watch it go. 
What's amazing to me is this spike in interest, though, that happened right up to yeah, the yeah. very end. Mm-hmm. Four people, you said, were suddenly interested up, in the car? I ended up with about four offers at once, but Adam was in the pool first with the best offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah he came through a best offer, so that's who gets it. I was going to say, if you want to sell your car, you should create a, you know, your car in the snow driving around, you reviewing it, stick some cameras guess, on it. yeah. But maybe not, because these guys found it otherwise, so... That's, well, it was weird, because the two guys from KSL found you know, realized about the show at the back end. And then the guys writing it from auto trader knew about the show first and then found the auto trader. I'm just, I'm really glad it went to somebody that's excited. That's what thrills me the most. Well, I think what thrills everybody else is that you're getting a new car. You've got money in Uh hand. I do. Theoretically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the FRS is gone. Mm -hmm. And for the next one, the shopping has just started. The search is on. Barely. Yeah. You've kind of, you're, Still mulling some things, mm-hmm. I think. Well, and the search is now on for a few things, and uh-huh. we're not going to reveal it until true, the true. car is in hand, teasing everybody. The funny thing endlessly. is, though, brain brain headspace wise, in one moment, I have jumped from one side of the equation to the other. I was the seller, yeah, walking that part of the equation, yeah. And as soon as we solved the bank problem today, I instantly became the other side of the equation, became the buyer, yeah. So all of the questions that I've been fielding and all this kind of stuff, I'm on the other side of the equation in just in, in a finger snap. I'm on the other side of the now equation. Now you're taking all that to the next Exactly, car which is ownership. interesting. And, and somebody actually asked in one of the questions, I don't remember which one it is here, but somebody actually asked about the selling process. Mm-hmm. And, yes, um, I saw that. Just to, this could be almost an entire podcast. I'm not going to bore you with, it, with the whole thing. But th- this car had a loan on it. So... Uh, you know, I'm still paying it off. So it's not like I had title in hand. Mm-hmm. So what the the safe things are cash if the car is cheap enough and the person wants to bring cash, or cashier's check is also even is is also equally safe. So we did uh, cashier's check. I had the new owner Adam meet me at the credit union where I have the car loan, and we did all of it right there. It was very straightforward. Once once we had all of that stuff done, now I had a little bill of sale that he and I had both signed and all the official details of the car, which the credit union needs to see that. Uh, so I. Drove the car to the credit union. He met me there. We talked to the bank teller, and they walked us all through everything needed to do. Essentially, his check wiped out the loan. Right, right. And then they send the title, which, of course, the bank is holding because I don't have the title in hand yet. They send the title to his bank. Right, right. And then I hand him the keys. We've had bill of sale. He drives away. And a car full of tires and stuff. Yes. And it was packed to the gills. <laughs> I just went around the house last night and thought, you know what? If it relates to the FRS— I should just give it to Adam. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I, the Covercraft cover went, the, the sunshield went. Well, it's made for the car. Exactly. It, it fit. My wife said, you're going to keep the sunshield? And I said, no, because it won't fit whatever I get. Right. I mean, whatever I get, it won't fit. Exactly. So exactly. Uh, gave him that, gave him four wheels with winter tires on them. And you know, when they sold that car, they said, well, we made it big enough to put all your track wheels and tires and jack in it. Not really. <laughs> not, not, not really. Not with another body. Yeah, exactly. It's just so, you and all the stuff. Exactly right. So anyway, right. so there's that. But uh, yeah, and I had uh, some oil, some AMS oil that we had for the car for the next oil change. That, that gave him that as well. Excellent. So it was, it was just a lot of stuff. All the stuff I had. I was like, here you go, man. It's your car now. Enjoy. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, secretly, I'd like to pay for a car using the money gun. Yes, if you ever saw would. the money gun on Kickstarter, you know, just spray cash at the other person. <laughs> say, here's your money. Yeah. I'd secretly like to do that. Or maybe at a dealership, you know, just yeah, in spite. No, just kidding. Uh, anyway, guys, thanks for listening so much. We are going to be pushing all the back catalog of podcasts coming. Oh, We've yeah. talked thanks to a few of our up. patrons, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they have indicated kind of a unanimous decision here, I think, because the back catalog is so listened to mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. they have said, you know what? It's okay, even though it populates as new yeah, on yeah, your yeah. feed, which is going to be coming. And so all these back catalog, they will look as if it's brand new content, even though it's older content. So that yeah. is going to be coming kind of in chunks. We're going to be making those podcasts active. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is coming. So that's just a, know that's that. That's a great piece of business. In fact, just to clarify a little bit further, we're going to try to have those populate to your phone between our normal episodes. Normal episodes, of course, are Tuesdays and Fridays. Right. So if it's right. not a Tuesday or a Friday and your phone pops up with new stuff from Everyday Driver, that's old stuff. We don't unfortunately have a way because we're changing the feed it comes from to kind of make them all available and have iTunes not think it's new. So right, we have to right. flat out apologize for the fact that to some degree you're going to be spammed by 200 episodes that are all old. 
we apologize, but this is the way to turn them on for those of you that are that many of you. I mean, and I say this honestly, many of you have written us since the podcast one change and said, "Hey, I'm at number whatever from right. years ago. Right. Working my way through. Can you turn them all back on? We're working on it. So just want to kind of let you know how this unfolds. Apologize in advance for this stuff, <laughs> but we're trying so. to keep it clear. The other thing we're going to do is we're going to have in the title all of the numbers starting at 200 and up. All of the podcasts will have a number in the beginning of their title, so you can also know this is 214, for example. You'll also know, oh, it's a new one. You'll be able to find them very easily, and uh, we will get them all live again. Thank you for sticking with us on that. Agreed. And uh, yeah, as Todd said, those numbers will be coming, so a little bit of the, of the name change there, but that'll be at the very beginning. But speaking of back catalog, there's a lot of people who have written in saying, I've, I've listened to most or all. Mm-hmm. And Todd did the numbers the other day, and I think you came up with nine full days of audio. No, Is that right? it, it was, it, no, it was nine, nine to ten hours worth. No, 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 nine to ten days. You're right. No, for it's nine to ten days. For all of the yes, podcast, all, for all like 200 or something. It's now, like 13, 14. It's like between nine and ten hours, uh, ten, ten days worth, yeah. Because nine it's, days Because it's 214 times that you and I have spoken <laughs> for an hour on, on record, wow. by the way, which is why every now and then one of you will write an email and say, well, when you said this, and I go, I said that. I did say that. Oh, that's right. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, that's been recorded. And at some point, my my son will listen to these podcasts and look at me very differently. This is what frightens me. Yes. Hopefully, it's not going to mean years of therapy later in life. But, oh, he'll uh, go to therapy for something. I'll screw him up in my own particular fashion. Of course, you will. I will have a, a very special way. I will screw up my son. But yes. you know what? You're doing a great job well, now, being it. involved in his life the way you are, and really trying. planting these car memories deep. I'm trying. Yeah. We've got stories from our own fathers. And Absolutely. How Absolutely. Everybody, all you guys listening, have your own story about how your folks yeah. and your dad and uncles and whoever it was in your life is planting the seeds, and yeah. Todd's doing it here too. You know, it's cool to hear. It's cool that you bring. Thank, thank you for bringing that because that reminds me. I was halfway through that last drive with my son, and was suddenly besieged by the memory of the last time I was in my dad's E-type. Were you really? Was suddenly just struck by that moment and just thought, I'm on the other side of that moment. And for all I know, now look, oh, wow, on it's the a little tear jerking. It, it is. It is hard because awesome. on the other end of the spectrum, look, here, here's the irony. For all I know, he won't have any iconic memories of that at all. But I had <laughs> iconic might, memories sitting in the seat where he was. And the smells and the sounds and yeah, the, yeah. the eye level. Yeah. Because I did E-types think of that. appeared so big to you then. I did think of that because, of course, when I was in the right seat in my dad's E-type, there was no such thing as a car seat. Right, right. So I was down low, looks. couldn't really see out, and I have this great visual memory of the very elaborate door latch that's on the E-type. Uh-huh. down in the very bottom corner. I have an elaborate memory of that door latch because it was pretty much eye level. It's right it was right by level. me. Yeah. You know, my son's sitting in the, in the uh, car seat, and he can see out. So he at least can experience, you know, a little bit of, hey, we're diving through the Aspen. This is fun. So I, I hope I hope it's a good memory for him. It was a great one for me, for sure. I think it will be. Well, guys, here we go. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got some great debates here. A couple of guys. Uh, first one is Michael H. in Sydney, Australia, who wrote to us recently. Yeah. He's been following the podcast, and he has listened to the whole back catalog all Which is great. Thank you so days. much. And the videos. So, yes, thank you, Michael, so much. He is in Sydney, Australia, as I said, and he's got three cars looking for us to debate that. And we've also got Ian E. in southeast Wisconsin, mm-hmm. who's written in with a bit of a unique debate here as well. Some interesting facts around his debate. And then, of course, the Facebook, Instagram. Man, you guys have gone nuts again. Thank there's, you for writing in. We could almost do a whole podcast of good questions. I kind of think sometimes really there's so many good ones that come in. I think we should just do a podcast yeah. full of these sometime. Yeah, we, we we'll need have to often on. That. We do that for sure. We do that for sure. Uh, so Michael has got three cars, which sounds grandiose, but he's got some scenarios of possibly getting rid of one or or two. One of them is an NB that's a second generation MX-5, which has got some mods kind of headed toward a track car, but not yet. We're talking coilovers, roll bar, brakes, wheels, exhaust. He's considering maybe he'll go more hardcore with that. He has a a DSG 2012 Golf. uh, So he has that as his kind of normal drive everyday car. And his wife has a newish station wagon. Doesn't even tell us what it is, but that's staying. (laughs) That's staying. So So it doesn't matter. So the wife's car is irrelevant. There it is. That's staying. That's fine. Uh, They have a three-year-old, another one on the way. Congratulations. So all of these cars have got to have some sort of back seat. And he's given us three options for what he could do. All right. Here we go. Option number one is sell the Golf and the MX-5 together. Mm -hmm. Sell them both. Yep. He can get about twelve grand for the Golf. 
And he's already got an offer of 9000 for the MX-5. Mm-hmm. Which seems like good money for that car, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it does, actually. And go ahead and buy a focused, fun car that he can carry the kids around in. Yeah. It's reliable. Yeah. He's thinking about things like the Toyota 86 or Fiesta ST. He's driven them all, apparently, mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. liked them. His budget at this point would be between twenty five and thirty. He's capping me right at thirty thousand yeah, yeah, yeah. for this option. But he does say he likes your style, you know, what you're looking for, you know, the lightweight, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. handling light and fun. But of course it's gotta carry the kids. That's yeah. the primary. That's character. the thing. I mean, clearly the, the the MX5 is out for that reason, which is why he's debating selling it. Right. And right. and you know, we're we're talking about taking two cars that do two different jobs, kind of, with the golf and the tra- and the track ish car, mm-hmm. and making one car that can do the family duty and those things, which is a little bit difficult. He could could also take that MX-5 and just dedicate himself to making it a track car. Right. So that's option it, number two. Yeah, not even get it registered, you know, sell the Golf and buy something else that hopefully can, out. can tow that car. But right. that car becomes not even street legal and becomes hardcore. That's option two. Right. And then the final option here, number three, is keep both of them, but get that MX-5 modified so we can fit a child seat in the front which means taking out the airbag and screwing in an anchor bolt. Mm -hmm. He likes the idea, but not so popular with the wife. As we know, happy wife, happy life. So if she's not happy... this This is not a surprise. What you're doing is you're actually modifying the car and then saying, no, honey, I made it safer for the child. That I, I don't care what you're modifying. That didn't go well. That, 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 so I, I actually think that one's out. I do too. And I'm leaning actually toward, uh, toward the second one of turning that MX-5 into a, a not even street legal track car. I have a good idea for Michael for a car that does the other duty, still fun to drive, but can tow that MX-5. So you're going for option number two. I am. I have one choice. Interesting. I chose number two also. Okay. But I've got a number of options here. Okay, good. So I'm going to jump good. right in. Please. And I'm starting with a website that I found. They are not paying us, but this does exist. It's a British website called thetowcarawards.com, everybody. Okay. It exists. Yeah. Of course it does, right? So I started here with a Mercedes B200. Okay. Could go back a ways, but the website, this tow car awards website, (laughs) said it was pretty decent because it can tow almost 1,400 kilograms. 2,500 pounds, somewhere in there. Yeah, that's good. Which means if you've got a very lightweight track car, surely this would be able to tow it just fine. Still kind of interesting to drive. Mm -hmm. Kids and stuff can get in the back seat. I started there. All right. As we said, got to have a starting place, right? (laughs) <laughs> I always like your starting place because I never really know what weird rabbit trails we're going to spear <laughs> off into the weeds. So let's keep going. 2011 Subaru Impreza XV Mizuno. I found a manual transmission on this car in Glenelg in um, South Australia, I believe. Okay. And then I came to a wagon. But then I kind of nixed that idea because I realized your wife also has the wagon that you guys True. like. True. But I did find a really cool looking 08 Volvo V70 hmm. T6 Auto okay. Okay. for just under 15. Okay. It's black, kind of cool looking. I'm sure it could tow that. So those are my sort of safe options at this point. Okay. And then I kind of threw all that out and thought about the Holden Commodore HSV, specifically the Club Sport sedan. Sure. Which means that Miata is going to be snapping in the breeze behind this car. Agreed. And then I ended at the Maloo, Holden Maloo. That's hysterical. You know why? Because that's exactly where I went. Did you really? I the Maloo <laughs> I think is out of his price because he said if, if it's tow car only he said that he's probably at about fifteen thousand is probably the upper level. I'm assuming you have handily converted this to dollars for us, not Australian uh, dollars. So that actually means that fifteen k is more like twenty ish. But st- I mean. Twenty-ish. You in, could find a decent one for in that. Australian, but um, but at the same time, I uh, so the Malu is hard, but kids though the Malu is hard, but kids is the problem. Yeah. But here's the thing that I, I'm going Holden Commodore because you, Are you? they've been around long enough. You can get them cheap. Yeah, and you can. that is a they even genuinely, have a wagon, even though it's not. They the do. It's a genuinely LS3 fun car with a good towing capacity. Like it's a little over three thousand pounds. So it's like 1,700 or so kilograms. I think I may even be wrong. It may even be okay. as high as 2,000 kilograms. It's a good towing capacity for a big sedan. Hey, for a lightweight, so, stripped-out well, Miata? Then, and you're going to have twice as much towing capacity as you need. But if you're talking about you want a kid car that isn't, that isn't boring, it's an interesting tow car. I love the image, by the way, of the huge super sedan pulls onto the track <laughs> towing the tiny little midget little sprite 
MX-5 mosquito of a track car. I love that image. And I like it a lot more than the big pickup pulls in. I, I love agree. it's the street-killing sedan comes in pulling the tiny little track car. I went Commodore for sure. And then you unhook the trailer, leave the Miata on the trailer, and then promptly track the Commodore. Well, either right? way, yeah. Or you, or you just you do celebratory donuts around your trailer, Ooh, and then you park better. it. That's what you do. When the smoke is, you leave the so smoke like, rising. This is my space you, you, right You here, step out everyone. like a Michael Bay film. And then, and then the camera has to be, this is the Michael Bay thing that you shot. The camera has to be really, really low, like mounted on the ground. Yes. And it has to do a dolly shot in a circle around the star as the star, for some reason, just stands up. And some cool swelling music, right? Well, well but it, and possibly explosions and maybe some smoke. This is your exit of the car, Michael. I'm just prepping you for your exit. But what you got to do first, you got to do the big smoky donuts around mm-hmm. your trailer, then stop and step out. That's, That's kind the of the key plot thing. to every movie that I really like. I know it is. Right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have, you have very, very discerning tastes when it comes I to films. I think yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> smoke, explosions, chromed women, you know, these kind of things. Fire yeah. trucks, power tools, <laughs> anything else? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> that is one of the few places where I am far more sophisticated than you. In almost every other place <laughs> on the planet, you are far more sophisticated than I am, and I am the child. Movies, you're just kind of like, stuff's blowing up. This stuff's is the greatest exploding. movie ever. Yeah, uh-huh. This is cool. I like a little bit of plot, like a little bit of mystery and intrigue if it leads to more explosions. You want to understand why the explosions are happening, but that's about as far as the plot needs to go. I it's, mean, it's Bourne pretty films. simple. Yeah. Love the Bourne films. <laughs> Excellent. By the way, you did say the Bourne Films. Born, I yes. want to clarify that because I at first Born heard it films. wrong. For those of you listening, this is still a family yes, Jason, podcast. Jason Bourne. The Jason Bourne film starring Matt Damon. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. I, I like those. I like Bond. I like all those yeah, kind of cool. I know the, you do. The discussion yeah. and intrigue leads to stuff that gets destroyed. Perfect. Yeah. Dig it. All right, Michael. Well, hope that helps. Honestly, I mean, we're, we're generating some fun imagery over here, but... Um, we're, we're genuinely interested in what you end up getting because everybody, Michael is a patron. He's definitely supporting us on yeah, Patreon as a patron. We really appreciate your support. It's definitely going right to the show to help us create more content as For we sure. look forward to the next Velocity season and uh, all the trips and things coming at us. Trips and movies and it's, YouTube it's content really and ouch. Helpful. But hey, it's yeah. fun. All right. Well, thanks again, Michael. We'll be right back. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark, inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. A very quick note to talk about one of our new sponsors, Autotempest.com. It searches all the top used car sites at once. So it's kind of an easy way to make sure you're not going to miss out on yeah. your next car. Yeah, one stop, yeah. That's T-E-M-P-E-S-T. So like a storm, Autotempest.com. The next debate we've got here is for Ian, mm-hmm. who writes to us with a, with a very interesting title. It's... It says, save me from the Pontiac G6 apocalypse. <laughs> Which I was like, what? What's happening in Wisconsin? What, What's what, going on? What do, we, what do we need to be worried Pontiac about? Pontiac G6s are driving around like zombie cars? What's going on up there? <laughs> yes. Could this be the next movie? It Could might this be. be the next yes. Michael Bay movie? Probably the next Michael Bay. It, he, look, his entire career is going to be known for Transformers films. The guy needs to do something else. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. All right. He's done a few things, but yeah, moving on. Uh, Ian is 21. He lives in southeast Wisconsin, as we said, mm-hmm. and he's currently got an 04 Chevy Impala yes. with 281,000 miles on it. So it's, it's, it's fresh and new. It's fresh and fresh new. Fresh as a daisy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. This was a family car that he inherited at 16. Uh, it's been a hand-me-down, as you can tell, with nearly 300,000 miles on it. It has been a hand-me-down car. And uh, it's fine. It's one of those things where they keep expecting it to die, and it kind of refuses to do so. This is one of those cars, we joke about it now and then, that runs in spite of you and not because of you. Yes. You know, these thoroughbred sports cars, a lot of times, you've got to treat them really well. And then there are some of these kind of workhorse cars, kind of like a workhorse horse, that that just, just refuse to die. And you keep going, why isn't this car done yet? But this car is going to actually go. And now exactly. we're trying to figure out. I love that he says sometimes the blinkers just decide not to work. Uh, it's, that's because <laughs> you don't have enough blinker fluid in there. Exactly. Right? But yeah, that's something that I see a lot of. But anyway, so that is going. And now he's trying to buy a car. And this is where the apocalypse comes in. Yeah. Well, he writes and says that he's found that all the people his age 
must be in southeast Wisconsin, but I maybe guess. not. Maybe it's I, I, worldwide. I, I don't know. I, I think it's it, clearly it's that area. But it's, keep going. It must be that area. So they buy one of three cars. First one is a Ford Fusion, a Chevy Cruze, mm-hmm. or this dreaded Pontiac G6, of which he can't stand any of them because he's driven all of them, and he calls them depression machines. Which is pretty funny. Machines. It's a fantastic description. You know, I had a uh, back when I had my 300ZX. My wife and I went on a trip, mm-hmm. and we actually were going to a friend of hers' wedding. And our rental car was a Pontiac G6. And yikes! We we picked up another couple that was in the wedding party. We picked them up, and we were running late, and I was driving. <laughs> So I proceeded to hoon my way onto a massive <laughs> scare everyone. I, and yeah, the, those master and eastern part of the country, uh, Cloverleaf, <laughs> pushing this G6. Got about halfway around the 180 and said out loud, "Huh, this is not my car," <laughs> because I realized how much I was murdering the tires and creating body roll. So I had to back off quite a bit. Uh, so I remember the Pontiac G6; it is seared into my brain. So you don't want one of those, and that's fine. That's fine. I'm, we can I'm find. Sorry, I've never had else. the pleasure of driving one. You're okay. You're fine. I'm you'll, okay. You'll be all right. Uh, but the other curveball he throws in actually two things. Mm-hmm. One, uh, our friend Ian here is six foot six. Kind so, of a tall guy. Yeah. Certain cars will be out. Yeah. Uh, the the MX5 is out. And also, he has lost. There's had an accident that lost his right hand from the wrist down. Yeah, yeah. We're sorry to hear. Now, interesting though, Ian loves to drive stick. Still drives stick. Would be perfectly happy and kind of prefer to still have a stick shift car. But sometimes he has to have different body positions to make stick shift work. He's happy to do automatic or stick. But he wanted to throw out those two curveballs just in case we needed to know. "Hmm, That's a new one. So there we are. Well, he also says that you know half of him enjoys driving stick, and he you know wants to own one to For refine sure. the yeah, skill, yeah, as you said. Absolutely. Because having one hand is not the issue here; it's that his right arm is actually shorter than his left arm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of you know leaning over or sitting weird in it's a, a body position. position thing. Yeah, for to sure. Reach the stick. Plus, he has body position issues anyway because well, he's six yeah. foot six. Yeah. All right, so he's asking for really good automatics, killer automatics that we might recommend. Here are his requirements. So first of all, the budget, which is capped at 10000 mm-hmm. No problem. He says, sorry, Paul, in his email. <laughs> it's no problem. You, you guys don't have to apologize. Your budget is what it is. <laughs> exactly. You're not disappointing I mean, on me on that note, anything. I got a fantastic <laughs> fantastic push today on social media for, okay, Todd, just get the 1M. And, I, and my response was, would love to if it was not $15,000 out of my budget. And in spite of the number of times that you and I blow through the budget, you especially, uh, it's just this is the budget. I won't be buying a 1M because I don't know how to pay for it. Right, yeah. right. It's it's not disappointing. It's actually a challenge, and it's good. It keeps it is, us for you sure. know, on our toes. All right? So he's also wanting a car that is unique and uncommon because of all the run-of-the-mill stuff that, you know, the aforementioned cars that he's named. Again, manual is preferred, but he'll go for the automatic for the right car. And then finally, he's not going to buy an SUV. Doesn't mm-hmm. want the SUV. Yep. Okay. So he writes with a good list of cars that he has, you know, he's already thinking about here. Yeah, definitely. Fiat Abarth 500. Likes mm-hmm. a lot of things about this car. Hopefully, yep. Ian, you've watched our review on that. Yep. And interestingly, that is a car I bet you could fit in just He fine. says he's driven it and loves it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that, that has a surprising, because of that massively upright seating position and kind of that bubble cockpit, it has mm-hmm. a surprising amount of space in it. He acknowledges it that the, the, the stick is, is dash-mounted, and he's wondering if that's going to be a problem. I've driven that car in both automatic and stick. The automatic is fine. It's fine. It's not a, an automatic be like, wow, this is really pretty good. It's fine. Uh, the stick shift, I agree with you, is it, it's in a weird position no matter who you are. Um, yeah. I did actually like the, the heel-toe space in that car, I remember, but the stick shift is a, is a strange position on that. Keep going. All right, second car here, Audi A3. So he's thinking about the manual there, mm-hmm. asking for our opinion on that. Of course, the BMW is on here, the E92 3 Series Coupe, so not an M3, but just the 3 Series Coupe. Yeah. And yeah. he's seen a bunch floating around for about 10 grand mm-hmm. in his area. And then finally, being American muscle car guy at heart, he's looking at the Mustang GT, really yeah. wanting one. Yeah, for sure. But is trying sure. to sort of rectify the value of a $10,000 Mustang GT against, you know, is it worth it? You know, what about insurance at mm-hmm. my age, at age 21? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. he's sacrificing a lot in terms of. You know, just mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. You know, practicality for the uniqueness of the car. 
sounds like there's not too many of them around there. Well, maybe it's there probably are, not but that common, but, he's, but he is struggling with uh, all the things we're talking about. He's talking about how good is a $10,000 Mustang and how much am I going to hurt in insurance if I go that route? I mean, that seems to be the biggest part of the struggle. Yeah, that's always on my mind for young drivers is insurance and getting in. As much as we want to recommend something fun and hot, for sure, that's for sure. always part of the equation, especially when we're shopping at a $10,000 level. We've yeah. got to absolutely acknowledge and consider yeah, yeah. that. All right, so f- here we go. I mean, you might think right off the bat that we're looking for a JDM car for Ian, mm-hmm. a right-hand drive car so he can drive stick with his left hand. I hadn't gone there, but I see how you got I there. I mean, that that kind of might seem, to everybody listening, that might seem the obvious choice. The big question is, for a JDM car, what can we find at $10,000? I mean, hmm. you think Skylines, there's Evos, there's even Honda Accord Coupes, there's or yeah, Honda Accord wow, Sedans. I, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of difficulty, I feel like, in running that route. I mean, it could be cool. And yeah. speaking of unique, Ian, that would be unique <laughs> if we could find You're now backing through the drive-thru and can't pay at toll booths. But other than that, it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah. because then your problems are kind of solved, right? Yeah, but, I, but it's, clear, it's clear by this email, though, that he doesn't have a hand below the wrist, but he can shift fine. He's right. figured out how to do all that movement, which is probably better. And I, look, I'm guessing, Ian, I really have no idea. But I'm guessing that that shift movement is probably easier and safer than if that was what was on the, on the steering wheel. Uh, probably so, yeah. So I, Especially like a second to third gear, which yeah, is just, that's dead you know, instructors yeah. just tell you to push with the palm of your hand anyway. Totally, totally, yeah. You know, just... This is, forward. this is new ground for us. It Ian, is. Thank you. This is this is very interesting. I did not go a right-hand drive car. I see how I you mean, got I there. I think that's sort of an obvious I see choice. You got right there. The bat, You're just swapping then... sides of the car, but right, clearly right. he doesn't need that. But I see. How I, okay. All right. Keep going. All right. So I'm jumping right in. And again, insurance is on my mind. We're trying yeah, to think yeah. fun. And of the cars we've driven, I started at the Hyundai Veloster. Hmm. Okay. 2012 right. or 2013, I found them for ten grand easy hmm. and right. under. This is a delightful, surprising little car. True. I mean, true. you and I actually got out at one of those cars when it first came out. We thought, huh, mm-hmm. it's unique. It definitely fits that, you know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that bill, that requirement everywhere. here. Oh, for sure, for Three sure. Three doors, unique. I think the insurance will be pretty low. I'm not talking I about agree. the turbo here. Yeah. Just the Veloster, still got plenty of power. Just an easy to drive car. And I do recall it having a fair amount of space. Decent. Plus, yeah. it's a left-hand drive car, so with your long legs, Ian, you're on the left side, and you can take your girlfriend, and somebody can jump, jump in the back seat. No yeah, problem. The weird three-door in, in Yeah. Danger. One of the oddest things to this day about that car is the fact that you look on the actual side, the actual armrest, to see three window switches. Right. That's just... that. I mean, it talk about unique. This doesn't is a very dawn on you car. until you climb in the car and go, oh, yeah, I guess it would only have three, wouldn't it? That's weird. I guess, yeah, why not? Anyway, all right, so I also had one other choice here, and it's something I mentioned before here, and that is the Honda Accord Coupe mm-hmm. with the manual because, okay. I'm again, thinking of yeah, your long yeah, legs, yeah. Good lots space. of interior yeah, space there. Definitely. It's a bit of a bigger car, but the shifting on those Hondas is so nice. It is. It, it's and, just a, And the a automatic's not bad, but the six-speed's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a gr- that's a great call there. I like that it's a lot. It's a unique yeah. car. It's still big enough. I, I mean, the power on those cars is more than you know some sports cars from the 90s. Let's put it yeah, that way. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, man, I think you could have a lot of fun. Hmm. They're very different and very not the obvious choices that you named before. I'm kind of leaning that direction and kind of leaving it up to you to choose. Although I do acknowledge all your other choices here. Yeah. I'm I'm digging the Audi A3 and we like the Mustang GT idea too. That's that's pretty cool. I like the Abarth here the most of the ones you brought up. And, and it makes me wonder and I know you can find an Abarth for 10 grand. It makes oh, me yeah, wonder yeah. if you search nationwide, can you find that random Fiesta ST for 10 grand because we know that's a tall man car. We know it is. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder, and I, and I honestly haven't looked, Ian, but I wonder, is there that random Fiesta ST that's running 10.5? The first You know, the first one that's Fiesta really, ST. really cheap for some reason. You know, I'm just wondering sure. about that because obviously that we, we like that car dynamically just a little better than the 500 Abarth, but I think you would enjoy You've already said you drove it and like it. I think you would enjoy the 500 Abarth very, very much. I like mm-hmm. that car. The A3, I'm sixes on. It doesn't really excite me for you. The E92, Three series coupe at ten grand. You might get lucky. You might get a money pit. Yeah, I'm a little skeptical it's, of that it's, one. To be I honest. think that's a dice roll car. But the Mustang GT started to inspire me a little bit because I thought, mm. all right, what's ten grand rear wheel drive that we can have some sports car fun with 
that might actually be cheaper to buy and run and pay insurance for than that Mustang GT. And I've come up with two. Oh, yeah? Okay. One, and I looked them up because you can get them for this. First-gen Hyundai Genesis Coupe. The 3.8 V6. Right. You liked that car a lot. I think that car is a mostly. really. I think that car is a really good option here, Ian. I think that car. I like the rear-wheel drive. Part I, of that and car I now. think that first-gen Genesis Coupe is dynamically more interesting than the equivalent $10,000 Mustang. Hmm. Now I think the hmm. current Mustang has surpassed the Genesis Coupe in dynamics, but True. the prior Mustangs, True. I think the Genesis gives it a run. Gives it a real run for its money. So I think that a $10,000 Genesis Coupe is probably a better just dynamics. I'm not talking don't, – don't come at me with the V8 power. I get it. I'm talking <laughs> dynamics. Right, right, right. I think it may be a, a really good uh, competition car. But then I thought about this. You're, what you're really wanting and telling us is you don't want the standard front-wheel drive boring competition. You don't want those. The Fusion, the Cruise – the G6, you don't want that stuff. You want rear-wheel drive. You want some muscle car. You can get a Pontiac GTO. And I wonder... For ten grand, like an 03. I know. Uh, well, they were like a forced 06, but still it doesn't matter. They're all cheap. They're all cheap. Oh, 400, wow. 400 horsepower. I wonder... Look, somebody with, an ins- with insurance is going to have to look it up. Ian, you'll have to see. But I actually wonder because the way most of the time that these insurance rates are created is... Who drives the car in question, and how often are they wrecked? How often are we paying out? I bet you that insurance companies have paid out far more on Mustang GTs than they ever have on the new Pontiac GTOs. I am suspicious if that Pontiac GTO might be cheaper for you at 21 to insure than a Mustang GT. That's interesting. I don't know. You're going to have to look it up. But I really do wonder. We're talking to a 400-horsepower, six-speed. There is your rear-wheel drive muscle car that you want. It will fit you for sure. It's, sure. That's a big guy car, and you can get what you're wanting from the Mustang. You also wanted unique. Have you seen another Pontiac GTO in your area? I kind of doubt it. They're all hiding in Florida, perfectly preserved. Possibly. Waiting go for buy us to that go buy one, them. Ian, and drive it home. You'll have a great time. So yeah. I, I'm leaning toward one of those two Pontiac Genesis, pardon me, Hyundai Genesis Coupe or Pontiac GTO. I think both of those are really worth a look. No, I like that. That's also because Mustang GTs are attracted to ditches and trees and light poles yeah. and crowds of people and anything that is actually stuck to the earth with gravity. So those are, those are probably, probably yeah. that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, affects your insurance there too. So. Hopefully that helps. Uh, if you have a suggestion for Ian, something that we're missing, like a you know, like a right-hand drive MR2 or something that Funniest. you know of, many people are screaming at their radio or, the, or their phone right now. For I mean, sure. I'd love yeah. that, but you know, of course, a Mister Two is is too small for Ian, our friend Ian. His eyes would be above the the roof line there. <laughs> anyway, something if if we're missing that, I'd, I'd be curious. But Ian, we really hope that helps out. We got to jump to these questions here mm-hmm. from social media because there's so many. I've got to start with Facebook here from Chad F. Okay. Chad, thank you for writing again. He's written this to, to us before and had a lot of great questions. But he asks us, if we went to a classic muscle car museum and let the curator let us pick one car to take for a joyride, what would it be and why? Classic muscle car. Mm. I'm, I've got my choice for just classic car museum but okay. you throw in muscle, muscle car, car yeah. that's a different that's a twist there okay i've got to think of something from the late does, 60s early 70s I, I may be blurring the line here does a daytona coupe count we'll let you we'll let you rock that. because we'll let you rock that feels like one of those Heck one of those yeah. cars that you know because the cobras are cool but the daytona coupe if somebody walking through a museum said, do you want to drive that car? I would I would be in the car the minute they finish their sentence asking where the keys are. Mm, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I was thinking something you said at Cobra-ish, somewhere in there. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, I'm also thinking Steve McQueen. Just, you know, any cool sure. Mustang sure. that's a, like a real GT350R from 65 or sure. whatever that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Just yeah. raw, you know. Yeah, something like that could be I pretty would, cool. Uh, I was influenced, of course, by Dukes of Hazard as a child, and so I would have to drive the uh, the Charger if they had a really sweet Charger in there. Ideally, with the General Lee paint job, then and the would, horn, that right? Would have to go. Well, yes, with of course, because if you're going to have the paint job, you got to have the horn. Yeah, yeah, you do. Otherwise, Chad, if it were not muscle car, I would say I want to drive any car that you have to adjust the spark timing. On the steering wheel, <laughs> I want to do that. There you go. I see where you're going. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That intrigues me like crazy. So okay, yeah, I like that. For uh, Matthew Green wrote in on Facebook and said, "For fifteen thousand dollars, okay, 
would we go Polaris Slingshot or Miata? And I'm going to say Miata all day long. And I'm going to say it for two reasons. The Polaris is a fun little gag car. It's the car you rent because you're on vacation in Vegas. Let's rent it for a couple hours. Won't this be funny? You rent it to drive through a national park. It's, it's a, it's a one-trick pony car. It, I mean, if you've ever climbed in one or been around one, it's all hard plastic. It's, you know what? It's almost, like, it's almost like a jet ski equivalent for the street. Okay. Right. You don't, you know, you don't, Although jet skis don't require a license. I've seen a lot of stupid stuff. This on a is jet true. Ski. This is true. But, you know, jet skis are they're single purpose. You know, yeah. you can, yes, okay, people can tow skiers Hop and jump them and get the, the throttle, kind of stuff. Right? But it's just, you know, the way they're designed, the way they do the plastic. It, it, I mean, we're talking about Polaris. It's the same company. It makes sense. They're jet skis for the road. Mm-hmm. A Miata can do all of the stuff the Polaris can do and can still be a normal car if you need to. You have things like a windshield. I know that sounds nuts. You have a windshield. (laughs) Earlier tonight, we had a ridiculous, strange rainstorm here in Utah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. To the point that it was like flash flooding. And and Paul and I both happened to be out in this rainstorm. We drove by a guy who was on his motorcycle. Oh, man. And it was was rain that was not only just really fast, but it was also almost hail. Like, yeah, like it was just still too warm enough. Just this but, side of being hail. Yeah, so it's thunderous on all the body panels of the car. There was a guy on a Harley that had pulled off the freeway. Oh man! And had ripped off his plexiglass. Uh, you know, his his what is that plexiglass yeah, windshield, plastic the windshield wind deflector that is roughly the size of a lunch tray, and he was holding it over his face <laughs> to shield from this. Now imagine <laughs> that scenario in your Polaris slingshot. I mean, you get caught. I mean, ideally, you'd have a helmet on. But you, but in a lot of states, you aren't required. It right, depends. Right. Utah, you wouldn't be required. So the Miata, at least, you have a windshield and you can close the top. So if you're on a mountain road and there's a flash change in weather, you can close the top. You can take your wife out. You can not wind up with bugs in your teeth. I think it's Miata all day long here. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm on the Miata thing, too. And uh, the Polaris is cool. Interestingly, I've read that the sales are pretty high, but I've got to think it's it's a lot of They're rentals. Well. I think, uh, yes, you, know, any, for a, you go to, hey, I don't really want to own this, but I want to experience it. Let's totally. just go ahead and rent a couple of those and go have some fun for the afternoon. Anywhere you would drive that you could cruise drive, like boardwalks at beach towns yeah. and national parks and Vegas, all of those places rent Polaris's faster than they can get them on the lot. Yeah. Yeah, Polari? Polari. I'm not sure. <laughs> Let's go with slingshots. Can we go with that? That's better. <laughs> Done. Uh, what else? Andrew, also on Facebook, is asking if we've ever visited the Peterson Museum in Los Angeles, and do we have other auto museum suggestions? Yes, we've been to the P- Peterson, but we've been to it prior to the renovation. Mm-hmm. We've heard many, many good things about the post-renovation, I'm actually thrilled that there is, as a matter of fact, that they've done this, and yeah. uh, everybody just seems to exclaim, it's amazing, you've got to go there, check it out. Yeah, it's all we've um, heard, for sure, yeah. I would also recommend the LeMay Automotive Museum up in Tacoma, Washington. My family's up there, mm-hmm. and I've been to that one. Pretty awesome, but there's a lot of museums that Todd and I haven't been to yet out true. on the East Coast true, in the Midwest. Yeah. I mean, there's Corvette Museum, of course, the one that had the huge sinkhole. I think that's back together by now. But now they've embraced. They have like a sinkhole. Yeah, it's, it's part <laughs> of the history yeah, of the museum sure. now. Uh, what else? There's there's a ton of those uh, uh, museums around, but um, I've I've actually you know kind of like the Porsche Museum in Stuttgart and <clears throat> yeah, that's ruined you forever. Mercedes, many many Porsche things have ruined you forever. That's BMW. Yeah, we know yeah. you've been to them all. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. this is what business trips have done for you: is you just randomly <laughs> find time to go to all the German museums. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I had to check them off. They're really, really spectacular. I know. I have no doubt. Uh, on Instagram, uh, what is Chris doing? Well, he's asking this question. Uh, what are your guys' opinions on roundabouts? And I want to say I love them. I love. I them I think they're too. amazing. If you if you do, <laughs> but the problem with a roundabout is there is really no way to completely stump a huge percentage of American drivers and throw a roundabout at them. You know how you do it, though? You add a stop sign to that roundabout, like they have in California, <laughs> because the legislators still think that a stop sign has to be in the equation somehow, well, even though it entirely negates the purpose of the roundabout. It does. And, and, the, and the great thing about a roundabout is getting your timing right. When you're coming in, you're coming in at speed, 
and you can see the traffic forming, and you can you can time it so that you can enter the hole in the roundabout. It's awesome. And and exit, and you didn't cut anybody off, and everything worked. That is that's that's kind of a give me perfect track driving style moment. I mean, I think I'll road. just go around again just because that exactly. was so fun. And then if you get around about it a random Sunday morning or a time when nobody's on it, yes, you can try to go around it with uh, kind of leading with the back of the car. You can try to see how much <laughs> oversteer you can pull off. Now you may wind up high sided on the center of the roundabout if you don't do it right. We're not condoning this. We're just saying it happens, okay? It's just a thought. But, but I have to tell the story that I heard here okay, in Park City, because we actually have a number of them in Park City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my wife was at like a, a woman's meeting thing, and they were talking about, you know, who are the new people here and all this. And this one woman stood up, and she said the following. Uh-oh. The only thing I don't like about being in Park City is these roundabouts, oh, because man. nobody knows how to drive them. Now, at this point, most of the women in the room are thinking, yeah, no kidding. But she says... I don't, like, I don't like being here in Park City with the roundabouts because nobody knows how to drive them. Nobody stops inside the roundabout to let you in. You're kidding about this, This is right? what she said. You're kidding. At which point, you know, my wife and many other women in the room thought, no, 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 ma'am, I'm sorry. You are the problem with roundabouts. It's not the rest of us that aren't letting you in. It's you not understanding. That's not how they work, just so you know. All right, so I've got a massive twist about roundabouts to throw in here okay. for discussion to get everybody thinking about this. Yeah. And back to the age of autonomy. And envision sure. a future scenario when you pull up to a four-way stop sign and the car to your right is an autonomously driven car with nobody in it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, it's think on of, its way somewhere. Sure. It's on its way to pick somebody up. Sure. Now, think of the interaction that we've got. We've got, you know, the finger wave. We've got the chin The nod. head nod. The, yeah. We've got the, you know, flash, flash the lights, flash whatever. your lights, mm-hmm. anything to signal the driver, you know, go ahead. Yeah, and yeah. the person on the right, at least in America, knows yeah. that they have the right of way. And so they automatically go. Hmm. If there's a car with nobody in it waiting to go somewhere... How do you communicate with that car? Yeah, it's a good it has question. to know traffic laws, and it has to judge because you can think, well, I I beat it to the intersection. It might not agree. <laughs> That's a great point. It's a great so point. So therefore, yeah. roundabouts are the solution. Let's negate. Let's get mm. rid of the four way stop because the roundabouts. You know what the car is going to do. It's just going to constantly, slowly move through, and yeah. you can yield and merge properly. That's an interesting point. Yeah. It's coming. So, therefore, point. roundabouts for the win even more. I like that. You know, there's that other thing that happens with that four-way stop scenario where somebody in that scenario, if you really did come up at the same time, somebody decides to be the big dog and to just pull out. And yeah. And yeah. the other driver generally – has that moment of self-preservation where they go, oh, 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 you're going, so I'm right. going to let you go. Right. Autonomous vehicles don't have a feeling of self-preservation. They're just nope. they're moving. So if you decide to be the big dog in front of the autonomous vehicle, does it go, oh, I'm sorry, let, I'll let you go? Or does it go, <laughs> right. no, it's my right of way? These are the things that programmers right now are being kept up at night about. They are. This is the actual issue. And to further complicate things, every car manufacturer on the planet is writing their own code with their own take on I things. Agree. I They're agree. They're going to have to consume the driving laws worldwide mm-hmm. if they want to sell that car in any market. But now this is their take and their decision on how the car is going to operate. There's no standard. There's no industry. Right. We're all sharing this baseline thought, and mm-hmm. then we'll build from here. Everybody has their own approach, so they're all going to act differently. A Nissan's going to be different than a Mercedes, mm-hmm. different than a Honda, different than a Porsche. We can put it a different way. Theoretically... The morality, if you will, because these are, to some degree, these are moral and ethical decisions about yes. how you operate a car. I mean, I know we're way off in the weeds, but but honestly, Does each car comes the, with the lawyer strapped to the roof. Probably, it, yeah. Wait, uh, <laughs> the the morality of a Ford versus a Tesla versus a Porsche is going to be different. Yes, it is. So who comes along to kind of let's create a grand standard? That's a quagmire, folks. <laughs> Just. Yeah, I've I've thought about this, and then I have to promptly shut it off and go back to manual transmission, four-cylinder, rear-wheel drive cars. <laughs> Excuse for me cleansing. while I drive my own vehicle. It's like sorbet for the ears and eyes. I don't even have navigation in here. Stop it. Turn off the radio. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I hear you. So Shane Addy wrote in on Twitter, oh, another one of those oddball movie scenario things. He said, okay, okay a Chilean crime boss. I don't oh. know. What I don't know why they are the uh, the, the villain Chile du jour at the moment. With their, crime, yeah, so the Chilean crime boss has kidnapped your family. What action hero slash vehicle do you use to get them back? And Ooh. I have only one answer. I think I know what it is. Go. It's Batman and the Tumbler. I'm sorry. It's oh. a tank. It's a tank. 
That is <laughs> that gets good. it done. I don't care what Mr. Chilean crime boss has done to defend himself. <laughs> We're coming with the bad ears and the tumbler. It's happening. I was going to say Hellcat or something like that, but that's way better. The tumbler is way better. Well, guys, we've got to talk about the Buick Regal GS. Okay, yeah. The 2018 Regal GS that has just come out. Many of you have asked, David mm-hmm. Watson 415, Scott Durrell, a lot of folks on Facebook asking about this new car. What do we think? Yeah. Does this make Buick interesting? Is there any hope here? Nine-speed automatic transmission. No, it does not come with a manual. What do we think of this car? But but the horsepower is good, though. Horsepower is good, yes. What's the listing on it? Uh, what, 300, 310, somewhere it's, in there? It's mid-threes, I thought, but it's it's definitely up there for sure. Not as much as a Fusion Sport, I don't think. But there, Sorry, there's a Comparo. Uh, Those two also ran unexpected, the Fusion Sport versus the new Buick G, uh, GS. Yeah. That would be an interesting Comparo. Here's my take on this car. Please. It's actually four cars. It's the Regal GS. Yes. It's the Opel Insignia. It's the Vauxhall Insignia, mm-hmm. and it's the Holden Commodore. I think the Regal nomenclature is disappointing for this car, even though I like the styling. Mm. I think it's mm. awesome. I mean, f- maybe finally it's the second Buick ever in the history of Buick that will be considered sporty. You know what the first one is, the Grand National, right? Yeah. So I think that it suffers from a... Um, a disdainful name. The Regal GS trying to be sporty. The Regal, that's that's too highfalutin. That's too... Interesting. The, Interesting, the name yeah. is wrong for America. Yeah. It needs to be more dangerous. Like the new Buick, I'm secretly dating your sister. Ha, 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 GS. You know, go. something, and it comes with right. a goth makeup kit in the easy, glove box. Or easy, easy. See, now you're ruining it. it. But so, something edgy. that kills the chrome. I get what you're saying, but, yeah. You know, and it's mm-hmm. got, it comes in the black edition, all blacked out, yeah. and it's cool with cool wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see where you're going. We've got to do something because it isn't a manual. I'd love mm-hmm. it if it was. They're calling it a hatchback and just making the shut line go through the glass in the trunk. It's not really a hatchback. The entire back end opens, okay? Yeah. So, yeah, you're, ta- you're right. It's 310 horses and almost 300 pound-feet of torque, 380-something yeah. pound-feet of torque. Uh, that that does sound promising. I want it to be more dangerous-sounding, though. Yeah, but, but Deadly, honestly, just the, the question is, is this car going to matter? And honestly, in this market, probably not. Maybe in yeah. China, where Buicks do well. But I think, look, the, the last Regal GS we liked... But nobody bought that car. We've recommended it like twice on the podcast because it is a, hey, do you remember this car? Because it's, it's much better than you think it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it, I, <laughs> The Buick, it's I'm much so, better than you I'm think it sorry, is, I'm sorry, though. This is, this is the oh, truth man. of it. This is the truth of it. No, you know what it is? Please it's, come back. It's, it's better it's than you think it is. It's the Buick Regal. Gosh, that's surprising. That's the GS. That's <laughs> exactly. what the GS is for. Gosh, that's surprising. That's anyway, um, but, but I just think I think this in that segment is probably going to go mostly ignored. But let's ask the question another way, though. Okay. How is the Fusion Sport doing or how is it going to do? Because these, in my mind, these are the competitors. It's not – you're not yes. actually buying this instead of a, a German sports sedan. You're probably not going to go this route. You either – you're buying it because you like yeah. or want an American car or you like or want a Buick. How big is that market? I'm very glad. I'm incredibly glad at the stuff that Buick is releasing right now and teasing right now because I think oh, they're Definitely. being edgy and interesting and filling parts of the market that don't exist or that seem surprising for them to do. But that's a hard road. I mean, Cadillac, this is what Cadillac did a decade ago. They started offering cars which was like, that's a Cadillac? Mm-hmm. But the problem is 10 years later, they're making great cars. Everybody's going, yeah, but it's a Cadillac, which is too bad. Yeah, I mean, Chevy is over here in Malibu land with the rental car fleets. Buick could be the turbocharged hotness. And, okay, you know, you want some near luxury at a good price point, great. But the turbocharged hotness that competes against every category Ford has, the the sport category that they have locked down for just about every car they make that attracts enthusiasts, Buick could be that. Mm. It could Mm. bring something like that. So I have hopes. I'm actually glad that they're doing this. I really do like the styling. I genuinely think yeah, it's good. I agree. The proportions are nice. I'm happy. But you're right. I, the interior could be more than just the GM all black plastic. A little bit of material breakup, more but than you, the shifters around. But you've now got to have somebody in the Buick that dealer price point. looking for a sports sedan. Mm-hmm. That is a hard scenario. I mean, you, you, you've talked before about you know car manufacturers sitting down and building this scenario of who is our buyer. 
you've got somebody in the Buick dealership looking for a sports sedan. Mm-hmm. That's hard. That's a difficult place to get to. I, I'm very intrigued by it, but I think it's in a tough place. Just like no father ever says, kids, we're going to the Mitsubishi dealership. It's very similar. In fact, the same family is in this other scenario <laughs> because they don't leave the Mitsubishi dealer and go, you know what we're going to do, though? We're going to shop for a family sedan over at Buick. Not happening. <laughs> it's going to be hot. I'm sorry. It's just not, not common. Anyway, um, so we've, <laughs> we've got so many questions. Uh, I am not Sean Clark. Wrote in on Instagram. I think that's actually Sean Clark writing. I think uh, he asked, be. which do we prefer, built or bought? Look, I, I'm a guy. Obviously, I, I changed things on the FRS, and I'm very glad I did. I think I made it better. In general, I'm going to say buy it, though. Buy the version that was did the shakedown from the factory. Because yeah, it comes down to shakedown R&D hours. That's what it comes down to. Your ability to take something and build it and fine-tune it and that kind of stuff, the amount of money and time that goes into probably doesn't beat the really well R&D performance car from fill-in-the-blank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Which brings us to Star Wars, you realize. Okay. We've got to talk I'm, about I'm this. I'm trying to follow. Keep going. Este Vincentius on Instagram also yes. has noticed that it's an established fact that I am shockingly ill-informed regarding all things Star Wars. You are. In fact, I have to stop you right there. My son, as I've talked about before, is <laughs> Star is Wars great. obsessed. Star Wars obsessed. I'm, not, I'm, I'm sure that's uh, not descriptive enough. That, possibly. Possibly. That term. But, and my wife is, is surprisingly Star Wars adept. I mean, she's really, really good. And it's, it's occasionally that I mean, she's, she's around you two, though. Exactly. It's occasionally she's not following along or ahead of him. But, of course, he's ta- he and I have talked Star Wars up one side and down the other. So then, as he would describe him, Uncle Paul arrives <laughs> when he's in some sort of Star Wars frenzy and will ask some Star Wars question and get the world's most blank look from Uncle Paul. <laughs> and the first couple of times this happened, honestly, my son, at like the age of like five, this was kind of mind-warping for him because he'd run into an adult that he likes and respects who has no idea what he's talking about. So yeah. now it's funny because he'll actually he's, – he's, he's figured it out. He's actually gotten to the place where he'll make some sort of Star Wars comment and, and actually stop and you'll watch the gears turn and he'll go, oh, that's right. You don't know Star Wars. And then he'll go back to whatever he was <laughs> and doing. Then he, he just knows. He starts. Hey, I know when he's dressed up as Jango Fett. You know, I I know this. I know a few things. Because he tells you, but yes. Well, that too. But hey, I'm I'm trying to soak it up. But you know, when you had to choose as a kid, G.I. Joe or Star Wars, <laughs> I went with the cool suspension on the dune buggies and I, the machine guns okay. of course and the swivel did. arm battle grip. Yeah, I get so that. So I was totally G.I. Joe. That. I had the tanks. I had the plane. My friend had the aircraft carrier. We It was... <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> but then I kind of missed out on the Star Wars thing. You I did. mean, somewhat, I know a few things, and I kind of play it up more than I actually should. For the sake of the joke, you realize. But he writes here, he says, Paul is taught equally ill-informed regarding any <laughs> pop culture stuff you can think of. <laughs> I have to say that Todd is very well-informed on just about anything pop culture. <laughs> And for better and for notably worse. Notably movies. I mean, you know movies coming out for Sundance Film Festival. The latest movie releases coming out. You already have a commentary about them, whether or not you want to see them. You might have already seen it yourself. You're very, very up to speed. And some movies, I, what what is that new movie? And, some, and sometimes no I actually clue. sleep, too. But anyway, yeah. Uh-huh. So it's it's not so much the pop culture stuff as it is when it comes to, like, watches. Fa- yeah, fashion. Please run away. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I am so incredibly fashion inept. It's shocking. Uh, watches and shoes are something that Paul can talk. Here, here's a twist. <laughs> Paul can talk to my wife about shoes. I'm like, they're shoes. They're just shoes. They'll get in a big conversation <laughs> about dress shoes for men. I'm like, I, I have sneakers. I whatever. Like so, it yeah, covers my foot. Exactly, my foot. <laughs> covers my foot, and I have a clock on my phone. This is how I am. Yeah. And then Paul's like, watches and shoes. At yeah, at, at, at fashion, and you know, and that's the other thing. You would think I would learn because. Nine times out of ten, when you and I go somewhere and we're not wearing the uniform for the show, mm-hmm. <laughs> I look like I just woke up. And you walk in like, I'm here. And Paul looks classy, and I look like, huh, I didn't really think that through, did I? So that happens a lot. I, I find myself, unfortunately, judging how people dress for airplane travel. And I'm shocked at the slovenly look that so many people have. And this is just, I like it when you know people look nice. I yeah. just... You, you know, you, you raise your game. Just look nice. There's no crime yeah. against looking good. You, you know? know the horrifying website, People of Walmart? Oh, yes. I actually think you could 
you could do better than that sometimes doing people of airplane travel because some of the people that show up on airplanes they do they look like they would they don't belong at the 2 a.m walk down the walmart aisle some people look that bad it's shocking yeah anyway so um not really, but uh, hey, we all have our differences, and that's okay. <laughs> For sure. Uh, Whitney Brown asked, I want to touch on this real quick. The Vimeo versions of our feature films, do they have the full Dolby, Dolby surround sound? Uh, they don't. That's just a Blu-ray thing that has the full 5.1. I did want to touch on that. No, thanks for answering that. We've um, had a few of those questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> on Instagram, someone asked, uh, is there ever going to be an Everyday Driver project car? When when we buy a project car... <laughs> It's because Project two things money into. It's because two things have happened that are not currently true. We have extra money and extra time. On this show, I, neither exist, and I don't know that they ever will. But in this show, that's the reason we have no project car. I have a project. It's called Everyday Driver, and it takes up a shocking amount of my time, and I love it. But the show is my project car, if you will. Agreed. Uh, what else here? There was a, a question from last time that I wanted to answer that I don't think we got to, and it was about modern sports cars from another Todd, Todd F., on Facebook. He asked, do we feel that modern sports cars have become too powerful or too fast, Mm. kind of making them driving them on the street less engaging than older cars? So 991 versus one of the older air-cooled 911s, something like that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, we can't deny that Camrys have over 300 horsepower now, Mm -hmm. and Accords, and... You know, the Buick Regal GS, <laughs> yeah. a lot of horsepower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely gone that way. I mean, we're finally past, well, we thought we were finally past the German horsepower wars, but then the Dodge Demon came along. Mm-hmm. And the speed limits are the same everywhere True. still. So, yes, they've gotten very fast. I think that the dynamics of the cars have gotten better, and cars have generally gotten easier to drive by virtue more, of the controls. More capable in general oh, across definitely. the board. Definitely, you can you can genuinely hoon cars that you would never imagine, and then you get into a yeah. sports car, and the the capability is still that much head and shoulders above the average car. Mm-hmm. It's, it is quite amazing. But I think the, the the short answer here is yes, absolutely, and it's a combination of two things. It's a combination of horsepower has become kind of obscene. I mean. The amount of power, what a car is really capable of, just acceleration-wise, is far beyond what we need. But then that's also combined with the fact that we have so many more safety regulations. Cars are so much safer that you can get into that old air-cooled 911 or a classic Mustang or take your, take your pick of a car from 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. 40 years ago. Yeah. And it feels so much more engaging and electric. And I hate to say this term, but it's true. It feels alive in comparison to cars now because there's so much less keeping you at a distance because the car's not as safe. And that's an interesting in the process, point. it's lighter because there's not as much going on safety-wise. And generally, they have less horsepower, so you're ringing it out more. You're closer to the edges of the car. And any car you drive... I submit, is more fun close to the edge than it is well within its envelope, which is one of the reasons why the GTR can be kind of cold. Mm -hmm. Its capability is so high that you're driving around in like the bottom 25% of what it can do at all time. Good luck finding the edge. So that's the problem is, uh, look, I hate to come back to the FRS, but I'll go Miata, Fiesta ST, these cars that we love and talk about, because you can go out tomorrow and find a way on your commute to hoon that vehicle to the point that you feel like I'm really using this car. Sure. Yeah. That same exact drive in a brand new 991-911, the 911 is going to be, don't get me wrong, fun, but you're going to know that the car is kind of shrugging it off. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I liken things to also manufacturing processes mm-hmm. and responding to government regulations. Just They have to. They have to. You know, the political environment and whatever that is and the regulations that have come down the pike. And, yeah, they've responded to that. Manufacturing tolerances have gotten tighter and production processes have improved greatly. We're getting far more out of V8s these days than, say, V8s from the 20s. You hear V8 on a, you know, whatever car from the 20s, you know, a Ford, and you think, yeah. well, that's it, 150 horsepower, that's it, really? Well, I mean, four cylinders yeah. now, you know, production tolerances. The, the, and the 200 horsepower four cylinder without a turbo. Yeah. Now, on one level, we go, the FRS, it's only 200 horsepower. On the other level, you're going, wait, 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 wait. A 200 horsepower four cylinder? Right. I mean, that's still the amazing thing about the Honda S2000 engine. You got 240 horsepower out of that? Out of that little thing? You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, they are. But I, I just, 
I think you're right. You covered it well, you know, as far as being engaging. Yeah, they're they're distancing themselves. But older cars, you know, it's it's a simple part. It is what it is. The mm-hmm. ball joint is what it is. Yeah, and so yeah, you're yeah. feeling the road and, you know, transmitting itself up through the chassis, up through the steering sure, gear. Sure, Because it's just a simple part. That's it. You can feel the pieces just spinning when you spin the wheel. For bought sure. all these parts and screws, and we mm-hmm. just use these to put the car together. <laughs> we bought all these screws. <laughs> you know, rather than yeah. engineering it to be a certain way and then sure. you know, customized production processes. And it will continue with the advent of industrial additives. And so, you know, 3D printing on mm. an industrial oh, scale point. Yeah. that is very much coming. I mean... You know, airplane engine manufacturers are, are coming. You know, I deal with that, you know, in, in the software land, software world quite a bit. Yeah. But generative design and additive manufacturing, all this stuff, that's going to change things once again. Mm. And then how we consume the product. You know, it's it's pretty interesting to think about. We use this as, as an example here. And that's uh, your, your, your airplane engine is now powered by the hour. You don't buy that airplane engine anymore. Mm. You're paying for the use of that uptime. And so the costs include maintenance and the fact that it is screwed to your jet. And you didn't buy that engine. It's powered by the hour. It's an engine subscription service. It is. That's where everything's going. Yeah. Isn't that just That's how you make the money. It is mind-blowing to think about. It is weird, yeah. Uh, Dua Rockwell wrote in. uh, I've actually seen this question a couple different places. I don't know if it was all you or not, but I want to touch on it briefly. Why don't I bring up the MR2 since I love the Elise so much is Mm. the question. Mm, Uh, Now, I have recommended the MR2 a few times on the show. When people are looking for convertibles around ten grand or below, this is the car I bring up. I like that Spider. The older MR2s are interesting. I'm not a guy that really likes much older cars. Now, Elise's, you know, they're 10 to 15 years old at this point. I get that. But, uh, but I'm not really a guy that I'm going to gravitate toward a 20, 30-year-old car. So the old MR2s are kind of out for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I loved my 1993 ZX. Those were tiny. They were tiny. I liked my 1993 ZX, but that would be like the sixth or seventh car if I had a garage full because I just, I'm not going to buy that as a daily. So that's one of the reasons. But then you also bring up, what about all things being equal and if Toyota still made them new? If Toyota made a brand new mm. mid-engine, twenty-five dollars to $30,000 mid-engine like hard top MR2, would I consider that over a used Elise? Yes, I would, but that cars doesn't exist. Yeah, we'd, we'd finish doing our handsprings down the street and then promptly go drive it. But uh, yeah. yeah, I, I kind of wish they had something for us enthusiasts to, to go do that. I mean, for, for mid-engine, I mean, that's let's be honest, the FRS can't sell at that price point. It's a much more traditional lay, layout. Yeah, but true. MR2 in that world still being made? That, oh, that'd be great. Where would that be? Like that'd a be mini cool. Cayman competitor? It would be. That'd it be, would be awesome. Yeah. And it'd be probably pretty darn good. I bet it'd be excellent, yeah. Man. Anything else before we wrap up here? No, I think we're good. Thank Man, you guys for listening as always. Of course we can. Thank you for those of you that are still rating the podcast. And you have actually rated us as well on IMDb. We asked about oh, yeah. that because I didn't want to rate my own show. And many of you have done that, so thank you for that as well. But we really do appreciate your ratings and your comments. They have survived the move over to Podcast One. We'd love to hear from any and all of you. Thank you for doing that. It helps us stay high in the ratings and other people find the show. We've got some cool guests coming up, so that is happening soon as well. Yeah, And thank excited. you guys for being with us. Appreciate it. Don't forget the pilgrimage trip coming at you very soon. That is Labor Day weekend in the U.S., 2017. So September 3rd through the 7th at the Nürburgring, the, the North Loop in Germany, and Spa Francorchamps in Belgium. Amazing. So we would love to have you. We've got a trip, and uh, things are starting to get sorted out. So if you're still thinking about it, now's the time. EverydayDriver.com slash adventures for all the information there. You can write to us on the website if you've got your own car debate. For sure. Or hit us up at EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. And thank you guys so much again. Cheers. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like 
kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.